Triple Whale has just launched a simple finance platform called FinHub, and I'm already loving it. One simple dashboard for all the tools and accounts you're already using, so you can gain clarity with your consolidated data, your real-time cash flow, your accrual P&Ls. It's designed to help those brands that are built on Shopify to operate smarter. So go over to triplewell.com and check it out. Like, I will call myself fine. a creative goddess. You could. You all, yeah, all the dudes get to call themselves gurus. I want to call myself a goddess. Do they? I don't think anyone calls himself, <laughs> wants to call himself a guru. I don't. Think. I know a few people who still have that on their Twitter mm. titles, and I'm like, oh boy. Thank you so much for joining me, everybody. Today, this is Barry Hot. He is hot on Twitter, and he is fantastic, fantastic, wonderful person. I have been following you for a while, and I love, love, love all of your deep dives and tweets because I feel like you have a good handle on both sides, the metrics and the, and the actual in-platform data and the actual creative side that's becoming kind of a hot topic and a little bit of a loaded topic <laughs> as well, which yeah. we, we're going to talk about some of that today. But first of all, for people who don't know who you are, who sure. are you, Barry? Let's talk about it. I'm a lot of things <laughs> to a lot of people. I'm a father okay. to one person. So if she's <laughs> watching this, hi, hey. don't think you can understand any of this because you're most five <laughs> months old. But aside from that, I'm a longtime Facebook advertiser nerd person who has spent hundreds of millions of dollars on that platform. And I've worked with kind of crazy big brands in the past, more recently focused on smaller direct to consumer businesses. And I've moved away from just focusing on ads. I focus on growth, really like healthy, sustainable growth is really what I focus on for a lot of these businesses and mostly around the ad ecosphere. So creative media buying, and landing pages, but also organizationally and internally and making sure that the internal like processes and partnerships and everything is set up for scaling and looking at those problems accurately. So yeah, and I tweet a lot, I guess. <laughs> I like to engage and talk about this this work because it's very interesting. And I think I have a I think I have an interesting perspective on it sometimes. Oh my and, gosh. Yes. Um, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's that covers it. Oh and barryhot.com or makeuglyads.com if you want yes. a, a $3,500 hat. Uh, <laughs> Which that was actually one of the questions I had lower down. I was like, oh my <laughs> gosh, bury these hats. So yes, thank you so much for joining me today. I think this is going to be super fun because you have kind of a very holistic view to like how to scale, how to grow, which is, it's not uncommon, I would say, but it's one of the ones that just does not get talked about enough. I talked to quite a few people in the industry who seem to have a very holistic view as well, but they mm -hmm. lean towards one specific thing usually. I obviously do a lot in consumer behavior research mm -hmm. and my entire business is kind of built off of the research and creative strategy. So I lean yeah. towards creative anyways, but I love the view that you have because you've got that high mm -hmm. level kind of like, like I said, holistic global view of how do we scale, where are we going and how do we get there? Mm -hmm. And all the pieces work together. It's really nice to see that, I think, in the industry moving forward. So my first question for you today, mm -hmm. where does the industry stand now? Now that we're like a little over a year out from iOS 14, where do you think it's going? Where do you think we can actually improve now that we're kind of settled and the dust is down? It's a dark time. It's, it's, <laughs> it's for, a lot of, for a lot of businesses, it's a very difficult time where, especially for the brands that didn't have what I would consider to be strong practices prior to iOS 14 yeah, changes. True. If you weren't familiar with attribution settings before then, there are a lot of people 
that like that was their first like introduction to like needing to think about attribution settings in the ad account and attribution so true. in terms of how <laughs> Facebook optimizes versus how Facebook reports, which used to be two separate things. And now it's one thing in Facebook. So that was a real slap in the face for a lot of brands, advertisers, agencies that I and my team at the time at Thesis, we were already well, always thinking about looking at different attribution settings. So that was, yeah. we were prepared for that. So that's been difficult for a lot of brands. The other thing that's just brutal right now is not being able to make good early decisions on creative testing. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'd I agree was, with that. I mean, I feel like every day I'm talking to someone else about this, how a year ago, just over a year ago, I could look at the cost per ad to cart or cost per check and initiated on an ad that I launched and have a good understanding of if it's going to match up to what I needed to in terms of cost, cost per purchase. Even when I'm mm -hmm. optimizing for cost per purchase, I'd look at those secondary metrics because those are typically good leading indicators depending on how your site's set up. There's also ways that it could <laughs> be wrong or misleading. But now it, it's completely misleading because of the advanced or the whatever it is, the event matching, the prioritization. So you're not getting data on all of those levels because of people that opt out. So now you're kind of high and dry. You can't trust the ones that are getting those lower actions more are actually doing a good job. And you're not getting enough purchase data for a lot of brands to do be doing the level of creative testing that they need to be doing. And I know that your question was about iOS 14, but I'll say that the bigger problem that's kind of conflating with that or just overlapping, just making it worse is that people are watching different types of content now and engaging yeah. with content differently. Yeah, I would now. agree with that. Mm -hmm. Different today than it was three months ago, in both in, in terms of just everything, but very specifically in terms of Facebook and Instagram, where Facebook and Instagram are heavily pushing into their Reels products separately. I mean, I'm saying Facebook and Instagram because they're both doing it. Mm -hmm. Obviously both under Meta, they're both <laughs> doing it. And the same, same, they're also using that same principle of showing content to users that isn't from people that they're following or pages that they're following. Yes. Yes. Which is the basis of TikTok is yeah. really good at that. YouTube, their algorithm is really good at that as well. Historically, Instagram and Facebook have really primarily been about like, you are following the people that you want to follow and that you care about and you only see content from them. But now it's all been TikTokified and algorithmic. And now people's feeds are just a battle for attention, yes. raw yeah, attention, 100%. rather than what Facebook used to be, which was seeing what your friends were doing, or yeah. Instagram used to be, which was seeing slightly more polished pictures of what your friends are doing. <laughs> and there's a huge shift and it's, it's not happening slowly. It's yeah. happening rapidly. And so when you have those two things combined, it's really hard for a lot of brands to keep up. And there's a lot of agencies and creators mm -hmm. and anyone to keep up with what they need to in order to be successful. So those two things are the biggest thing that's like really getting people in, in the way of businesses. So yeah. sorry for the long answer. No, no, no that's perfect. I, I love the long answer because it connects a lot of different things. One mm -hmm. that you said that I thought was super important is businesses are not doing the amount of creative testing that they should be doing just based upon the fact that we have shifted to a completely different form of content consumption. Yeah. And this is yeah. something that you can really look back and see how the platforms morphed as we went along. 
Facebook really was just a readable platform for a long time. In the very mm-hmm. beginning, all the ads were on that like weird right-hand side where it was right. just like a teeny tiny little blurb, right? Yeah. And people were putting millions of dollars on the right-hand side of that page. Yeah. And then they took it and put it into the newsfeed. So you started seeing mm-hmm. it go from one image really heavy on the copywriting into mm-hmm. now a larger actual creative form image that was a graphic. The, the graphic right. itself was meant to pull people in. Then yeah. you saw them pull in Instagram and actually acquire that business. And Instagram elevated those graphics heavily. <laughs> so then we went into very beautiful product shots. And that yes. was the type of creative that worked for a long, long time. So as the platforms morph, I, I actually so think will... I think it was briefly. I think, yes. I think that it was not that long of a time where the elevated things were necessarily working, but we can, yeah. we don't need to split hairs on that. <laughs> Just the point that I'm trying to make is that as the platforms morph, so do mm-hmm. the ads and, right. and it exactly. changes what works. So right now, because TikTok mm-hmm. is so big and because their platform works in a particular way, their ad form is now leaking into all the other platforms. And so creative testing, I think, is going to be super big. And that totally leads into the next question, which is mm-hmm. everybody is talking about the fact that like creative is the biggest lever. I was yeah. going to kind of get your take on whether or not you think that's true, but I think I most people who know Barry... <laughs> I already know what Barry thinks about that. Mm -hmm. My next question then would be, when would you not want to use creative? Obviously, we're doing it to qualify and convert customers. Mm -hmm. When is that not going to be a good idea for a business or a brand? I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. Everybody can use it, I guess, then. (laughs) Yeah, no, to me, like, you know, I I think I, I... I did a like a fun Twitter space a week or two ago with, with which I love. With, uh, thank you. Oh so yeah, that's right. Thank you for for doing oh, yeah, that. Great. Was, that was a fun to talk about like the creative lever. Is it the only lever? No, sure. But I would say it's something that no one should be just resting on their existing thing. It's it's great if you have something that's been working for a while and continues to work. Congratulations, that's awesome. Enjoy it, but don't expect it to last for forever. That's can be dangerous. Yeah, for sure. And just again, the way that, like a TikTok style thing, but it's more, it's more scary than that. Like it's the way that people are in taking content is no longer. Yes. It's just about entertain me. It's terrifying. Me joy. Yep. Yeah. It's really, it's really <laughs> over and over and over in like multiple times throughout yeah. the span of an hour. I mean, I need like 70 different videos to consume. That's a lot on the brain mm-hmm. and taxing cognitively, but also taxing from like a view standpoint. Cause for us, that means brands have to create thousands of pieces of creative a month to be able to compete. I mean, <laughs> that's a bit much, but yeah, but like yeah, the big ones so, are big ones. Are this, <laughs> this, and that's really the conundrum that we, we were, I was talking about before is there's a, a greater need for more creative variety. Yeah. And there's some people that might say there isn't and whatever, but there's, I think there's a greater need for more creative and there's, but there's also at the same time, worse and less data you're getting back on, on all of it. So it's almost not beneficial for a lot of these businesses to be trying even close to that many ads in a given week or month or whatever. That's a weird problem that people are struggling with, especially when you have lower amounts of, like, it's that weird chicken or egg. If you don't have a lot of money to spend, then you (laughs) can't test that much creative, but then you can't get out of that hole because you can't find any creative wins because you're not spending enough. Yeah. And then it just, it's a vicious cycle. Round and around and around. Yeah. yeah. And I, I found with the brands that I work with for creative strategy, part of their issue is they're not entirely sure what types of creative to make or how to even evaluate the no ones, ones that sure. are working. Nobody has Actually, any idea. Actually, some people are sure and they're just 
selling you something. <laughs> <They're just> selling <laughs> you something. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I would agree with that. That Well, and that's where my job as a creative strategist is to stay on top mm-hmm. of different things. I have yeah. to stay on top of not just what's trending, but also what's working globally. What's actually trending mm-hmm. from like a news standpoint, which celebrities mm-hmm. are getting married, which I just heard that JLo married Ben Affleck yesterday. I don't follow Recently, celebrity news, but care. that depending on the brand, Depending yeah. on the brand that you have, that will impact the way your consumers purchase sure. and how they actually consume your content. One of the ones that I remember the best was recently, oh my gosh, I just spaced his name, Johnny Depp mm-hmm. went into some sort of deposition with his ex, right? I'm not a and celebrity person, so I don't even know. Before. <laughs> he went to a deposition with his ex-wife and it was right. all over TikTok. You could not yeah. consume content without seeing it. Yeah. And so it's interesting because these this is what the brands are competing with, that particular algorithm. Well, I, I, I do want to point out, fast. was that your, yeah. was that your TikTok that you were, that you couldn't have read it? Cause I wasn't seeing that. It was my personal one. Yes. Which is like, weird. I wasn't I, seeing that. I wasn't following any of the trial, but it kept popping but you, up. But you paid attention to those TikToks. Yes. So I must've, so, I must've watched it long enough that it was like, you want to see more of this? And I was like, no, I really don't. But that's yeah, interesting that's- too. How many of our, how many of our actual ads are getting in front of people who are watching them just slightly but may not actually want to view them or purchase from them. That's an interesting stat too, that I would love to find someone who knows. Anybody know anybody that works at TikTok? That's what we need. Right. I do. Sure. You're doing Monish. perfect. Yeah, of course. Um, that would be yeah, Monish on Twitter. He's, he's right there. Tweet him. Uh, oh, I will. Shout out to Monish. I will ask he's my him, former client. I love Monish. What's the ratio of people who are actually watching things just from like a hook? They just liked the hook, but they don't actually want the product. Because I think that would change a lot for these brands because it's hard to create this much creative, to create Mm -hmm. creative. And the creative production companies that are building them are just now starting to ramp up. We've seen a lot of creative production companies come Mm -hmm. into play. And I think they're definitely going to be necessary moving forward. Yeah. It's more like, in my opinion, it's more like creator production companies rather than traditional creative production companies because it's not like you're setting up. It's not like you're set, and that's what that's what I'm yeah. seeing tons of, right? Is just creator this creator economy, UGC, um, or yeah, it's like yeah, influencer, or both? A little bit of both. I don't care that much about influencers per se in terms of like their reach, mm-hmm. but you know, on TikTok, if we were to look at like an Instagram inst- influencer, I don't, I don't really think that they were. There were a lot of those were doing a lot for value. They were yeah. like making stuff, and they either got followed because they were attractive or they did one cool thing or someone else cool tag. <laughs> yeah. But on TikTok, for you to have a lot of followers and a lot of people watching your stuff, that's usually because you are making stuff that people enjoy. Yeah. So influencers on TikTok, I'm not like anti-influencer as much as I used to be about Instagram. Hmm. I don't care as much about the following as much as I care about the caliber of content. Yeah. Uh, that, what can you that produce? The creators yeah. can make. Yeah, uh, I would agree with that. So there's there's probably like a weird, I got to think about what the graph would look like. In my head, there's like creators who have small audiences who can make great stuff for ads and great stuff that can be used. Yeah. Then there's like this big pit of people that like have a following, but only make garbage content for brands. Yeah. And then there's this spike up of like really amazing creators yeah. who make great stuff for themselves and can incorporate brands in a really useful way that can sell. Um, but it's Do you think that's weird... the minority though? Like those types yeah, of creators? Oh, that's really small. That's really okay, reasonable. Interesting. I don't think that's, I, I don't know a lot of people that are doing that. It's interesting. It's this awkward world where it's not direct attributable sales that we're talking about in that case. So yeah. it's, weird. it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's an interesting weird. industry that came up though, because the need for it was so incredibly great at the beginning of this year. And I 
feel like creators in particular wanted this opportunity because to become yep. an influencer takes years of work somewhat. Mm -hmm. I mean, for some people, it, it explodes way faster than that if you're just you sure. happen to be that type of likable person. But for yep. most people, becoming an influencer is a lot of hard work. It's a lot of learn and trial by error type of a thing. So the UGC uh, no, industry, I, man, it, I, it exploded. I disagree. I disagree with you. Really? The, the, okay, why? Well, the, no, the, just about a small part there. There's a really okay. scary part, I think, for creators, which is that they don't have a feedback loop. Mm -hmm. Their, their mm -hmm. feedback loop is, did they pay me again? Yep. You know, yeah, maybe, 100%. maybe that. Yeah. Right. Like their feedback loop is like, oh, how many views did I get? Did they give me positive response? But like traditionally in these relationships aren't getting any info. If those are being used for sales or for, for ads, like that, that data isn't often getting back to them. So they don't know what's necessarily working out. And there's, I'm sure yeah. there's some situations and some creators and some relationships where they do, and that's great. But for the most part, like I see a lot of this happen where like they get a brand deal or they get an ad deal with a, a big name brand. And then they do that for cheap just to say, Hey, I, I worked with this brand. And then they go and put that on their website or their profile and say like, I worked with this. And then the next brand comes along and is like, Oh my God, they worked with that brand. So they'll proof. see the ad that they made for that brand <laughs> yeah. and be like, okay, yeah, I get it. But it might not have done anything. It might not have ever yeah. driven one single conversion, yeah. one single sale. And but that's tough because the, the majority of these UGC creators don't have any media buying background. Right. And that's the reason why Kristen and I created a UGC group a couple months ago, and we have a ton of creators in there. And I'm doing Come a training there. once a week. You are. That's right, Barry. I totally forgot. <laughs> that's horrible of me. Yeah. I mean, I didn't forget. I'm, I knew you were in there. I'm like low-key in there. You, like you are. There's a lot of big yeah. names in there, like Frazier's in there. And I was like, Frazier, yeah. I didn't even realize you were in there watching stuff. So I try yeah. and educate more because I think having a media buying, at least some knowledge of how the ads get run what metrics we're looking at and what produces a good ad is way more important for UGC creators than just being able to work with a lot of brands. Cause obviously yeah. these brands need a lot of creative, but we need good creative, solid performers, not yeah. necessarily just a lot of it. But also yeah. your definition of that is going to be different than mine is going to be different than yeah. someone else's. And even though I'm looking for stuff that converts and performs, like a lot of these people are getting direction. Yeah. They're getting their storyboard or they're getting their script or they're getting the inspo or the brief from the P of brand or the yeah. CMO or someone who's like a creative director, who's someone who's like super brand sided yeah. and it's not from the performance side. So like someone, they get that, they're like, okay, yeah, let me get four ring lights set up and <laughs> set this up perfect. And there are brands yeah. that want that and that brands that, I'm, you know what, I'm sure it works for, but that's often not what I want. I want to yeah. see however you think you're, you'd shoot this for your audience, that makes sense. Yeah. Like that. And here are the notes that I need you to hit along the way. Yeah. That's what I, I try to do, do when you I work think, with creators. Yeah. Do you think it would be beneficial for the media buyers to write the scripts? It's such a hard, such a hard thing. And this goes back to the like actually bigger problem that a lot of brands have right now is they're yeah. not built to do any of this. Brands yeah. and agencies aren't built to accommodate any of this. Media buyers, I would say most media buyers, don't have an interest in doing more because they're yeah. already expected to do so much. Yeah, that's they what might I've not, not have the Yeah. Right. They might not have the relevant experience for that. Copywriters aren't the right people. Like there, there's not really a lot of people. And what I find from my experience is a lot of more video editors are maybe the right people to be doing that. So there's this weird blend right now of like you need video editors who can understand media. You need I want a creator who can understand how to edit and can understand yes. performance at. So like, I know myself, I've built up 
almost all of those skills. I'm not a yeah. good editor by any means, but like I can edit in CapCut better yeah. than I don't even want to break. You know, like I, I can edit in <laughs> CapCut fine. I've made performing yeah. ads in CapCut yeah. is my point. Yeah. Which is I shouldn't be able to say that. Yeah. And so I understand a degree of all of those facets mm -hmm. enough to that I can talk about them. But a lot of people, a lot of media buyers don't understand the full what goes yeah. into creative and storytelling and editing. It's all of these things because you, you kind of yeah. have to a structure and a storyboard, but you also have to leave room for serendipity, interpretation and mm -hmm. iteration. Yeah. And a lot of intu intuition too, I think. Now I'm going to ask you a question. You're not going to offend me. <laughs> I promise. Yeah. Do you think that the creative strategist role is going yeah. to take all of those pieces that we're missing and actually put them together in like a puzzle piece? I hate the term strategist to my core. It's hilarious because uh, that's what I am. <laughs> I know it is. I know strategist. it is. I know it is. And I don't mean that as any sort of dig because I think you're fantastic. I wouldn't be here <laughs> if I didn't think you were fantastic. <laughs> you. I think you posted on, you posted somewhere recently about this and I mm -hmm. really enjoyed reading it and I agree with all of it. I just hate the title. I think it's actually almost too limiting for the you. The problem is though, is like, how else do I describe what I do mm. is the problem because yeah. I am a video editor, a photographer, like I'm, I'm a product person. I'm also the script writer. I'm also the copywriter. I'm also the media buyer. Like, yeah. well, technically, and I was talking to Seth, sorry, I'll let you answer in a second, but no, I was talking to somebody the other day about this. Yeah. They were like, technically speaking, the creative strategist role is what a creative director does. That's not, you guys just basically took the term and mushed them into strategist instead of yeah. just calling yourself a director, which is what you are. I would, I would like, I'd love to maybe set up a separate call and brainstorm something for you. Yes. Like, to me, it's like that performance would be great. creative. <laughs> it's like performance creative consultant. There's something oh, more. I like that way better. To, yeah. There's something more to what you're doing. And I think you're underselling yourself a oh. little bit by calling yourself okay. a creative strategist. Because I think there's a lot of other creative strategists out there who are creative strategists and they yeah. don't do a quarter of the shit that you do. I'm going to go furiously change my name now. It, <laughs> I feel like it change it on everything. Really, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really matter if you're bringing in business and people understand what you do yeah. and yeah, you're true, true. happy. Like it doesn't yeah. really matter because at the end of the day, people understand deeply yes. the other things you actually do. Yeah. Well, that's and that's important. half the reason why for a long time I was using the term consumer behavior analyst because that's what I was doing. A huge portion of my job. Analyst, analyst doesn't even give you enough credit. I, well, exactly. And, well, and I had a lot of people ask me, did you go to school to do this? And I was like, no, I've just been doing it for 15 years. So I know what I'm looking mm -hmm. for now. And that's mm -hmm. a part of what I do. And the interesting yeah. part is I got so much pushback on it that people were like, you can't call yourself a consumer behavior analyst because there's people that get PhDs in that. And like they have master's degrees. And I was like, but that's what I'm doing. <laughs> so I changed it. I changed it to creative strategist because my audience gave me mm -hmm. feedback that made the most sense. Like they just said, that's, that's yeah. what we want. So it's interesting that you well, say creative strategist. I have a title strategist. for myself. I don't Very, know what I call you myself. You have a title. It's just master of everything is what it is. Thanks. And I, <laughs> you know, but look, look the, the creative strategist thing you're talking about, yeah. fundamentally though, I don't care for the title, mm -hmm. the name of it, but fundamentally <laughs> what you do and what you're talking about, I find to be essential. So that's the yeah. important part. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. really the matter. The role you itself. You can, just, you can call yourself creative goddess. I don't care really. <laughs> like, like, I will call myself fine. creative goddess. You could. All, you yeah. All the dudes get to call themselves gurus. I want to call myself a goddess. Do they? I don't think anyone calls themselves, wants to call themselves a guru. <laughs> I don't. Think. I know a few people who still have that on their Twitter mm. titles, and I'm like, oh boy. Anyways, we have about ten minutes before Zoom is going to kick me off because I okay. refuse to pay for the premium <laughs> version because I'm cheap. Should, yeah.
I apologize, but it, it keeps me on time, which is nice. It really does. Cause <laughs> if I don't cut it off that I will talk for three hours. Okay. Same. Tell us about this car reel. You posted it on the 22nd. Did you really oh. get like 4,000 plays in two yeah. hours? That is insane. Yeah, yeah. How did you yeah, do so that? Like, why I did didn't it work? Do anything. Didn't do anything. Like I just posted <laughs> okay. a reel on my, and so there's a few things here and I, I don't know if I want to dig too much into this cause I don't know what happened, but <laughs> like, it's just a nothing video. I, I shared that a very boring video of my very cute I watched car. it. It's nice. Uh, yeah, you have a nice a car. car. Just cute. She's she's very brightly colored, pomelo yellow, and just coming out of a garage. It's like an eight second clip of it just slowly pulling out of the garage, brand new, shiny and clean, with the song "So Fresh and So Clean" yeah. behind it. Yeah. And so I think what's happening is it's very possible that just Instagram was like, oh, this is this account's first reel, so maybe let's give it some extra play. Let's hmm. maybe give it or maybe hit it to a small audience and then it grew it and it just but then it died it, it flatlined after oh, that. it has okay. not kept going how so, long did did the actual like growth last though? a few hours a few and hours that's it it died that quick just within a few so hours i did make i had made a mistake i edited the caption of it slightly so that might have killed it but it could have mm. already been dead before i did that i don't know but i just remember like posting it and mm. then while i was like walking and then like a couple hours later being like, whoa, what? Like, I don't have that I'm many famous. I don't have that many followers. <laughs> yeah, right? Like I was like, I don't have that many followers. Then the, how did that many people like my so it's possible it's also like some sort of bot farm that's also possible. But I, I highly doubt that. We're gonna say it's true actual followers that just loved your car and love Barry's content. I always awesome. find those really interesting because I see this a lot on LinkedIn in particular, not so mm. much on Twitter, but on LinkedIn, I see people post constantly like this was the post that made me go viral. People still use that word a lot. And I find it fascinating because oddly enough, anytime you post something that yeah. says this post made me go viral, people like it, right? Yeah. Because viral is yeah, still a, a very like hot topic word that people love to see. Yeah. But virality doesn't necessarily mean anything in general. No. It just means that for some reason, that random day, you happen to get a lot of people looking. Yeah. And for me, the reason I found this worth posting and like worth sharing and thinking about was just like, is what we were talking about before is just yeah. fundamentally the way people are consuming content is different because the way they're being fed content is true. different. Very a true. year ago, six months ago, there was not a place you'd be on Instagram where you'd be scrolling or tapping or anything where you'd be fed content from strangers you don't yeah, know. That's so true. And that's completely changed. Mm -hmm. So that changes everything for yeah. users and for advertisers. And it's only going to get more out of hand in that way yeah. soon. And the type yeah. of content that people expect is just going to be very different than what it is. It, it has been previously and what it currently is. So buckle up. That was so great. Oh, Barry, thank you so much for joining me today. This was fantastic. Like I just, mm -hmm. I could listen to you talk all day long. My last question before, mm -hmm. obviously we turn off the recording and we'll yes. just chat for five more minutes. Where do I buy this hat? Because every time I see it, I'm like, ah, oh, that's the hat I want. I just want Thanks. it in my life. So I just made this for fun. Cause like, usually I talk about you made like, it for fun. I was just on Twitter. <laughs> like I, I joked with, with Ash from Obvi. Like I joked I like, love him. It was something about like make ugly ads. And one of us said that. And then <laughs> I was like, I need to make the hat out of that. And he said, do it. And then I did, and I sent him one <laughs> and I've worn it to some things. And every time I wear it, someone says something to me about it. Yeah. So I like finally like built a little PDP on my, my website for fun to play with, to play with Webflow. And that's, yeah, makeugly.com. I'm selling it uh, jokingly for $3,500. Uh, $3, there is a discount code. 
was going to say, I don't know if I can afford that. $3,500. There's a discount code on there. Uh, I'll send you one for free. Don't worry about it. But there's a discount code on there for 99% off. It's really just a gag. Oh my God. I'm going to uh, share this everywhere because this, this is just good marketing in general, I think. Because anytime you can use humor in marketing, man, people just don't use it enough. So I loved it. That was, thank you so much, Barry. I appreciate it. You You're help. awesome. Triple Whale is doing some amazing things nowadays. They're developing just a huge range of tools to help your brand stay informed and scale. And Whale Mail is where you can get all these details. So head over to triplewhale.com and sign up today.